You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Beloved, there is a myth that's going on. uh, It's going around about who God is and who we are in relationship to God. This myth is one that's not terribly old, but it's old enough that many of us believe it without knowing it or without knowing who first told it. A myth that's more fact and less fiction in our American culture, one that suggests that your security depends upon your actions, your actions alone. It's a myth that sounds like this. When I pray, when I sing, When I worship, it's about two people, me and God. That when I choose the right path, make the right decisions, play the right cards, I am seen as worthy of God's favor. I am saved, I am holy, and I am safe. This myth is perhaps the most dangerous myth a person can believe because God is not the God of all, but the God of you. It's dangerous because the God of love can look and sound like a cruel parent when you've done everything right and yet your life still feels like a punishment. It's dangerous because the anguish of the world can look like the wrath of God poured out upon those who want to know love but just can't get it right. This myth is the myth of individualism. It's believing and engaging in the world in such a way that your choices are the only ones that matter. And not only that, but they should and will only matter for you. It's a myth that says if you're poor, it's because you didn't work hard enough. That says if you are oppressed, it's because you're weak or there is simply something wrong with you that says if you do not have any blessings to hold on to, it's because you haven't done right by God, the myth of individualism. It's one way of reading our story that makes God so small, it's difficult to see where God is. I have to begin today with a very clear reminder of what exactly it is that we are all doing here together in this place. Because here, right now, the reality is we're not just individuals gathering in the same place at the same time. We're not just a single story reading the same story, hoping it might make our singular lives better. We're not a crowd, we're a community. You see, we are the body of Christ in the world. When we show up and bear one another's burdens, when we lean on the person next to us, and even more importantly, when we let them lean on us. It happens when we sing a song in perfect harmony instead of the same old solo we're used to. We are not called to know God or serve God in isolation. We're not islands that God sometimes visits. We're not individuals that might be saved or redeemed if we play our own cards right. No, when we talk about the gospel, your redemption, your salvation, we are talking about our redemption, 
our gospel, our salvation, our life together. This is our world to live in. And our God is speaking and making moves sometimes in spite of the myths we believe. I have to begin this morning by speaking very clear about the use, without the use of poetic prose or, or fancy imagery or metaphor because I do not want to be misunderstood when discussing what God wants for us so clearly. You are not meant to do this thing called faith alone. You are not meant to do this alone. You are part of the body of Christ. Not a small part or an insignificant part or a little part, but an important part of this body and any way of thinking that you have to go at it alone is simply a dangerous story we tell ourselves. Think of it this way. From the moment of our very first breath, we were dependent on another to relieve our distress. That when we first opened our eyes, it was up to the people around us to turn the lights on so that we could see. That when we took our first steps, we needed a hand to catch us when we fell. Otherwise, our lives would be more about falling than moving forward. I remind us of these things this morning because somehow God's people have forgotten this fundamental truth that we need one another. We need one another. What I did not say is that we need the people around us to do better so that the conditions of our life can, can be best, but that we need one another. We need to show up for one another. We need to show out for one another. We need to be better for one another, which is to say you are important to the people around you. Your actions, your inactions, your attitudes and ways of moving in this world can and will affect the person whose name you do not even know yet, sitting here in this sanctuary across from you. You see, when we believe that the work that we do will be the only work that saves us. We fall into a trap of believing that our empty hands are the result of our shortcomings, that our lack of blessing is a consequence for our lack of effort, that our imperfect community is due to imperfect people. This morning I wanna talk about increase because we read in the gospel this morning those prophetic words from John the baptizer, he must increase, but I must decrease. I wanna talk about increase. I wanna talk about what is required for the movement of God to increase. I wanna talk about what needs to happen for the love of Christ to increase. I wanna talk about what is required of us in the midst of it. I want increase. I don't wanna live in any world where God is made small confined to the languages or words or myths that we have about God. I want increase. I want to know where God is and who God is and how God is and why God is both in and outside of myself. You see, John the baptizer says these words at a time when the people around him were standing on a myth that would not allow them to see the movement of God happening outside of their immediate view. At a time when the people were struggling to understand why the blessings that they were meant to catch were slipping through their fingers. And John looks at
at them sternly and asks, who do you think is running this show? Do you think it's my show? Do you think it's your show? Do you think this show is just for us? No, this is God's show. This is God's work. This is God's work we are doing and we are just witnesses to that which is already happening. You know, I never used to like this phrase that John the baptizer is known so famously for. He must increase, but I must decrease. Because I don't know about you, but I'm all for increase. I'm all for making room for the power of God and the power of love to move more strongly here on earth. I'm all for increase. What I'm not as all in for is this idea of decrease. Tell me, what does it mean to decrease? What does it mean to make yourself smaller than you are? What does it mean to actively and systematically reduce yourself, reduce the you that makes you you? Because we, ha we don't have to look further than the experience of our own bodies to realize that something about taking your unique belovedness, your unique way of being in the world, and shrinking it down to an acceptable size for someone or something, that is a problem. But as with all scriptures that I immediately dislike upon first reading, I looked at it again. And not just the words themselves, but what they're saying in the context of what I know to be true about a God of love and grace and mercy. You see, John the baptizer addresses these people addresses these people who believed a myth about who they were in relationship to God. They believed that the movement of God was confined to their current work and their mission and what they knew to be true. You see, in this context, somebody else's mission outside of that can look like more than a threat and less of a blessing. This is a common story. When we have a way of doing things that works, and is safe, and is good, and then something happens that suggests that our work is not the only work that needs to be done. Any church that's ever placed an all our welcome sign outside of its doors knows what I'm talking about. Because the work that you're called to do is welcome, to bring everybody in. And so you extend the table, and you put enough place settings, and you pull up some extra chairs, only to realize two minutes too late that the food you've been serving this whole time is not a food that the stranger can eat. Let me put this another way. When our calling to love is restricted and confined to the current ideas and languages we have about love, we're more likely to feel offended that someone else has found more grace outside of us than open to the idea that God is calling us into an even deeper form of love. What if what needs to decrease is not who you are, is not who you're striving to be, but any myth you hold on to that suggests that the ministry of God stops and ends with what you know to be true? What if what needs to decrease is any way of seeing that looks at the people around you as problems to be solved, as difficulties to overcome? 
come as pains in your backside? What if what needs to decrease is any way of moving in the world that suggests that you are at it alone, that you are the one that must figure it out, that you should be self-sufficient, that your life circumstances are the result of your bad decision-making? You see, I pray for decrease in this place because when you are all you've got, it doesn't leave much room for God. I pray for decrease, that anything that restricts our worldview to my problems and my issues and what I need would be so small that the spirit of the living God would sweep right through us and show us a new way, a better way, a way out of no way. I pray for decrease so that God may increase in us and in this place. Let me tell you a story about increase. Just 2,000 years ago, the disciples of Jesus, they set out on a boat to catch some fish, believing that if they just kept throwing the same net over the same side of the boat in the same part of the water, that maybe one day they would achieve different results. And Jesus looks at them and says, why don't you change your tactics? Why don't you decrease the myth that if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, we'll get different results? And you know what happens? You know what happens when they change tactics and move to the other side of the boat? Their nets cannot contain the blessings that God would reveal. They they received increase, increase. You see, not 2,000 years ago, but about 24 hours ago, the people of Union United Methodist Church said to themselves, today we're going to catch some fish. So they boarded this big boat and they got all their supplies and they went out to sea and they stopped somewhere in the middle and they were confident. They were ready. They were ready and prepared to feel that bite of the fish, reel it in and bring their prize back home. You see, they looked out on the water, cast their lines and received nothing. stared at this big, huge expanse of ocean and came up with nothing. You see, there is a way of doing things that makes your blessings hard to find. And it looks like this, standing on a boat with your fishing pole in hand, looking down at the water, asking yourself, what am I doing wrong here that the fish won't seem to come to me? You see, let me tell you what could have happened on that boat. What could have happened is each person could have asked themselves, water, move, fish, come. Nikki, be better. Reel in the fish, reel in the fish, reel in the fish. Each individual could have asked of themselves, how can I change this circumstance? How can I be better? How can I fish stronger or harder? How can I catch my blessings? Each person could have looked directly in front of them. But you know, that didn't happen. What happened is the people, they lifted up their eyes. And one, then two, then three said, you don't have any fish? Me either. If you don't have your blessing, and I don't have mine, then maybe we need to turn this boat around. You see, it wasn't just their problem. It was our problem. It wasn't just about me. It was about us. You want a blessing. You want a blessing. You better look at the people around you. You see, when we ask of yourself, when we ask of ourselves, why is it that this boat that I'm standing on, that this myth that I'm standing on will not yield any blessings? God says, you better look for help and turn that boat around. 
increase looks like saying, if I'm not getting my blessing and you're not getting your blessing, then maybe together we need to turn things around. What myth are you standing on that is not taking you anywhere but to empty waters? You see, in this place, we are called to decrease any way of moving in this world that suggests you are not part of the body of Christ. What does it mean for Christ to increase, for all of us to come together, all of these parts working together, for God's love to increase in this world when the myths we stand on are that which lead us to lonely waters? God seldom looks like the saving power we know God to be, but when we lift up our eyes, and look at the people around us. When we ask of ourselves, who am I in relationship to the people around this place? When I say, I will hear you, I will listen to what it means to have empty hands, not because I'm humoring you or because I'm waiting to speak after you, but because I need you. We recognize rather quickly that God is so much bigger than the stories we tell about him. This morning, I pray that the myth, any myth, any myth at all holding us back from witnessing the glory and majesty of God might decrease. I pray that our belief that we are the start and end of our blessings might decrease. I pray that our way of moving in the world that makes us the center instead of God's people the center might decrease and let the love of God increase in this place and let the breath of God increase for the breathless and let the power of God increase for the powerless. We pray increase this morning because God is here and God wants us to witness the work of love in the world. The psalmist says it like this, I lift my eyes up. From where does my help come? It's not in simply lifting up my eyes. It's in recognizing that when I do, I see the Lord. I see the face of God. I find my help. I find my increase, my blessing. So lift up your eyes and look for God. Look at the grace of God. Look at the people in this room. For surely, God has a blessing for you in this place. Amen. you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.